Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Be careful what you exchange the house of the Father for. Be careful what you exchange the house of the Father for. The house of the Father is important. Can you say amen? And we, when we see prodigals come home, how many of you know we need to kill the fatted calf and get the ring and the robe and throw a party? And I'm believing somebody's going to come home, not just in the building, but back to the Father today. Can y'all believe that with me today? Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 is where we will begin our reading today. Jesus speaking an incredible parable here. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. I believe some of you will remember us preaching on the difference in takers and receivers. Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. There's a lot wrong with that right there. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. Verse 15 is where we will stop today, and this will be our text. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Be careful what you exchange the house of the father for. This boy moved from the house of the father to feeding pigs in another country. Be careful what you exchange the house of the father for. Would you just so kindly lift up your hands just for a moment? The Bible says lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Lord, as I approach this word that you have given me to deliver to this, your people, I do so with a tedious spirit, not a timid spirit, but I tediously approach this word because I know the weight of the matter. And I ask you to gently guide me through this word. Help me to speak the oracles of God to your people today. Help us to take a look at this in a very serious way, knowing that you are sovereign and you are in control. And while we preach and teach today, would you deliver someone from an addiction? Can you do that for us, Lord? 
God, will you drive out the spirit of infirmity from somebody's body? Will you crown this service with the diadem of your anointing? Because the anointing is what breaks the yoke. Your anointing is what sets people free. It doesn't matter about the preacher. It matters about the anointing. And we need the anointing. Lord, would you let the oil drip down in here today? Would you let the oil flow here today? Have your way. And, and while you're doing it, would you break a generational curse in this building? Would you dismiss a spirit that's not of God from this sanctuary? If you want God to have his way, could you give him one more big praise today, somebody? Just, just bless him today. Before I approach my introduction, may I ask you to do me one more favor? Look at the person on your left and on your right. Just give them a glance. Now let me say this to you. You do not know what the person you just looked at has been through this week. You don't know what they're facing. You don't know what kind of pressure they're under. What kind of disease has invaded their body. They might, may not even know. So I want you to say this to them. I love you. And now tell them this. And I'm praying. And I'm praying for you. Tell them. And I'm praying for you. You may be, you may be seated. We are in the last quarter of 2023. If you watched the game yesterday, you saw teams as they went into the fourth quarter, holding up four fingers. Like they are saying, this is the one we've been waiting on. The fourth quarter belongs to us. And I'm going to speak to you and declare and prophesy to you the promise of God for October, November, and December. That everything God said to you throughout the year, you're going to see the fulfillment thereof in the last quarter. Tell somebody the last quarter is my quarter. The last, the last quarter is my quarter. Now say it like this. The last quarter is our quarter. Now just hold up four fingers like that and say this is ours. This is good stuff from now to the end of December. You put in a relay race, your fourth runner is your fastest runner. And I'm going to go ahead and say that God is about to expedite some things to you. It took, it took nine months to get you to here, but it's only going to take him three months to bring it to pass. I don't know if anybody's hearing me or not, but I believe that the reaper is about to overtake the sower. God's going to start blessing you before you can even get your seed in the ground. God knows your, the intent of your heart. And when God sees you just about to plant that next seed, he's going to hurry a harvest into your life. Come on, somebody shout, my harvest is coming, and it's coming in a hurry. Boy, y'all didn't hear that right there. Say it again, my harvest is coming, and it's coming in a hurry. This quarter belongs to me. Now break off and give God one more big praise if you can believe that.
Amen. Go ahead, go ahead and nudge your neighbor and tell them it's on in the building right now. History was made yesterday. History was made yesterday when Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu declared Israel is at war. He said four words. Israel, Israel is at war. I wrote this down as I was interceding for the condition of God's people and God's land. Once again, as I considered the end of this year, these words came to my heart, a deeper polarization will begin to deepen its stronghold in the earth. I'll say it again, a deeper polarization will begin to deepen its stronghold in the earth. As we approach next year, differences will be expressed, feelings will emerge, and politics, race, and religion will take center stage again. The opportunity for you to be disillusioned, the opportunity for you to be deceived, will be presented to you at levels you have never experienced. If you think 2020 was bad, wait till 2024. We will enter an election year with fierce, ugly, and dia diabolical dialogue, thus severing relationships and exposing opposing views of right and wrong, what is moral and immoral, what is just and what is injustice. What is happening in Israel is a prophetic glimpse that requires not a political discussion. It requires a theological discussion. Why is that? Because this goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And it reminds us of the temperament, the personality, and the intention of three specific individuals located in the book of Genesis. Those personalities and temperaments we must consider are those of, number one, Lot. Number two, Esau. And number three, Ishmael. The answers to the problems that we see going on there didn't start two years ago. It didn't start in 2017. It did not start in 1968. It did not start in 1948. It started in the book of Genesis. As a pastor of a congregation, I have a responsibility. My responsibility certainly is not to ignore something of this magnitude. There will be pastors today that will shy away from this subject. 
for fear of losing people concerning their particular perspective of what's happening in the earth. I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not doing that for you to clap your hands for me. I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do with or without the accolades and hand clapping of people. I want to encourage you today. How do I do that? By giving you biblical references concerning the, especially the eschatology of time, where you can look through the prophetic lens of Scripture, not Fox News or CNN. Oh, if we could just bring people back to the Bible. I don't know how the people of God are so easily pulled from the script. I encourage you all to take time today and read Zechariah chapter 12. Just write that down. and Not now, not right now. <laughs> See, those smart devices will get you in trouble. Don't read it right now, please. But when you go home and you're eating lunch today, read Zechariah chapter 12. I encourage you to read Zechariah chapter 12. And if compelled by the Spirit, I will continue my dialogue concerning, concerning this subject in the next few weeks. If the Holy Ghost tells me today that I've said enough, then I will not rehearse it anymore before you. If he says to dig deeper for you, I will. But I promise you, if you just read Zechariah chapter 12, you'll have all the insight you need concerning what's going on in Israel and how God will handle it. I want to make one statement before I go any further in my message. Am I boring you? This is likely to be my tone for quite a while in this message, so just hang with me. My pace will not pick up till the end of my message, if it does at all. I want to say four words emphatically, and I want it to just hit you right in the heart. We stand with Israel. I don't want you to wonder about that. I don't want you to go home and consider where is our church on the issue? Where does my pastor stand on the issue? Where's my leadership stand? We do not negotiate on the table of, table of compromise when it comes to subjects that are biblically founded. And the reason why I say that is when you talk about Israel, this is what the Lord says. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people. Israel, you are the treasured possession. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other peoples of the earth. 
For you were really the fewest of all the people. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. This is why we stand with Israel. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 8. For this is what the Lord Almighty says. After the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you. For whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. And this is why we stand with Israel. The world is watching. Heaven is watching. And they are paying attention. To who will forge and who will forget their alliance with Israel. I'll say it again. The world is watching. Heaven is watching. Who will forge or who will forget their alliance with Israel. I will conclude this part of the introduction by stating John 3.16. Can you recite it with me? For God so loved. Hold on. For God so loved. The entire world. That he gave. That. Shall believe. In him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I don't care if you're an American citizen. I don't care if you're a Gentile. I don't care if you are Greek. I don't care if you are Jew. I don't care if you belong to Hamas. I don't, I don't care if you live in the Gaza Strip. If you will believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and give your heart to him, you can be born again and you can live forever. Does anybody believe John chapter 3 and verse 16? In 2019, my spirit was very stirred about something I felt was transpiring. And I couldn't put my hand on it. I couldn't figure it out. But I prayed and I fasted and, and I asked God time and again, what is this impression that you will not leave me alone? And these three words came to me and the Lord said they would be imperative to the church in the next decade. The first word would be assignments. Assignments are tasks or tasks assigned as part of your purpose. This has to do with your relationship with God. Assignments. The second word the Lord gave me was the word adjustments. 
And he brought me to Luke chapter number 13, and he showed me the lady that was bent over in the synagogue for 18 years that had a spirit of infirmity, and Jesus said, Satan has done this to her. But she was in church. And he called her to himself. He called her. He did not go to her. He said, you come to me. And he touched her and immediately she was made straight and she began to glorify God. If God makes you straight, can you at least give him glory? And the Lord spoke to me that there are people in the house that need to be adjusted. Some in minor ways and some in major ways. And it was almost like the Lord showed me a spiritual chiropractor. Like the Holy Ghost had his hands on the church, popping his body back in order. And all the noise and uncomfortable positions were necessary for the body to be able to stand erect, for the body to be able to walk correctly. Assignments, adjustments. The third word that the Holy Spirit spoke to me was the word alignments. An arrangement of alliance. Not just an arrangement of alliance, but an acknowledgement of allies. Adjustments have to do with you. Assignments have to do with God. <laughs> but alignments has to do with your relationships. The people in your life. Alliance is similar to but different than agreement. Alliance is similar to but different than agreement. Are you with me still? This will be my pace for a minute. If you need to stretch or scratch, go ahead and do it now. You got a yawn, go ahead and do it now. But I'm going to give it to you in the speed God told me to give it to you. And he very plainly told me, do not blaze through it, walk through it. Will y'all walk with me just for a few more moments? Alliance is similar to, but different than agreement. You can agree with someone that you are not aligned with. But you would not align yourself with someone you are not in agreement with. You should never align yourself with someone you don't agree with. The prophet Amos said it like this in chapter 3 and verse 3 of his prophecy. How can two walk together except they be agreed? The purpose of agreement is to be engaged. The purpose of agreement is to bring two gears together. When gears are engaged, it creates motion or movement. But you'll never find agreement without activity. 
if there is agreement, there will always be atmospheric activity, both good or bad. It depends on where you agree at and what you agree on. All agreements are not holy. All agreements are not sanctified. All agreements are not consecrated. As a matter of fact, many agreements cause more confusion than they do consecration. Hmm. To align or come into alignment is to join forces. Forming and forging the alliance. Joining forces is not sitting in the same room. Alliance is a relationship that creates movement by combining resource. I'm giving it to you like he gave it to me. Align, the very word align. Study the etymology of the word align and you find out it comes from two words, line and lineage. Line and lineage. The words line, lineage, align, and alliance are all covenant vocabulary. That's covenant language. Line. Lineage. Align. Alliance. I want to consider just for a few moments, and I'm not going to preach long, our text. All of what I've given you thus far is mere introduction. The purpose of an introduction is to create curiosity in your audience. If you're not interested by now, the rest of this sermon will mean absolutely nothing to you. But if any of what I've recited to you in the last few moments made you go, hmm, then at least I've got a hook in your jaw. Now it's just a matter of reeling you in. I'm going to do it. I want to look at our text in order to draw you to a personal perspective of your proper or improper alliances. Alliance, a relationship based on an affinity, an interest, or a common cause. A relationship where two or more people are drawn toward a common cause. Interesting. It's an agreement between two or more people to cooperate for a specific purpose. Cooperation is an interesting word, isn't it? In order for a church to operate correctly, you don't need a lot of operators. You just need a lot of cooperation. 
problem with leading a church full of leaders is everybody thinks they are called to be the operator. <laughs> so we've got a cockpit full of pilots <laughs> trying to fly a plane that has empty seats. Tell your neighbor it's crowded in here. Alliance is at its deepest meaning a state of being joined. Alliance at its deepest meaning is a state of being joined. Jesus emphasized something in our text in Luke chapter 15, verse 15. He emphasized, he told this whole long story, Josh, about a prodigal son who asked his daddy for something he wasn't ready to receive. And he asked his father for something from the father's house that wasn't ready to be given to him because the father was still alive. And verse 15 blows me away. Verse 15, whew, what are we going to do with this? He got what he asked for. And he took what he wasn't ready to receive. I'll say it again. He took what he wasn't ready to receive. And he went. Verse 15. I could stop and just preach on that because a lot of people act like they sent, but they just. And he went and joined himself. Oh, goodness. There it is. Joined himself to a citizen of that country. The emphasis was not that the prodigal was in another country. That's not the emphasis, babe. Giovanna, the emphasis is not that the prodigal, I, I know you listening, so I'll talk to you, was not that the citizen was in another country. That's not the emphasis. The emphasis is that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He connected himself with someone that carries the culture of another country. Wow. Hmm. He attached himself. The word really means he was cleaving to this individual. It's the same Greek verbiage as the Hebrew verbiage that a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. This boy wasn't just hanging out. He had become part of. He was cleaving to the citizen. 
Forming alliances or being joined to the wrong thing or the wrong people is destructive to your destiny. It's devastating to your destiny. This thing heavy on me, so y'all gonna have to tolerate me because I, I want to rip and roar and scream and shout, but the Holy Ghost telling me you better stay at that pace. So I would rather obey him and sleep good tonight than shout for you and toss and turn all night. I hope you are not listening. I hope you are hearing this. I thought of all the examples of forming an alliance or being joined to the wrong thing or the wrong people in Scripture. And you, this is going to shock some of you because you would never think of this Scripture. But it was the first one that jumped off the Bible into my heart. And it's Hosea chapter 4 and verse 17 where the Bible says Ephraim has joined himself to idols. Leave him alone. Ephraim has joined himself to idols. Leave him alone. Hosea says it like this, Ephraim, you are a heifer. But Judah plows. Be careful when you attach yourself to stuff that has joined itself to idols. Now, before you say I would never do that, Pastor Rick, I am a born-again, sanctified, spirit-filled believer. Let me break down the terminology for you because this might be you. Leave Ephraim alone. He has joined himself to idols. He joined. He has become. Here's the Hebrew terminology. He has become fascinated with idols. Woo! He's become what? Have you ever been fascinated with something? You've become fascinated with fabrications and fashions. That's how it reads in the Hebrew. He became fascinated with things fabricated and things that are fashionable. Oh, let's say it another way. He's become intrigued with stuff that has people's interests piqued. He has become drawn to the performance. He's attracted to the superficial, and he's lost his attachment to, attachment to authenticity. Okay, Lord, help me here, Holy Ghost. Leave him alone. Be 
careful when people try to get you interested in stuff they fascinated with and you ain't have no interest in it. I'm fascinated by this. If it's not done in the Word of God, by the Word of God, and in the order of spiritual authority, guess what it is? It's a malfunctioning, dysfunctional entity. I'm amazed at a generation that is more attracted to caricatures than they are character. More attracted to fake than real. I had the Holy Ghost tell me one time, you will never be that and you'll never have that because you've never been that and you won't be that. I thought to myself, Lord, what did you just say? And the Holy Ghost spoke to me clearly and said, you will never be fake. Then I heard him say, just be real. And guess what? Those that see it real recognize it's real. Fake don't know if it's real or fake. They just fascinated. I have seen people attach themselves to fornicating adultery preachers just because they're fascinated with their attire, with their oratory skills with their charisma, and you are more attached to a preacher full of sin than you are the genuine realness of integrity and character. Shame on you, you sick individual. You're saying right now, Pastor Rick, are you preaching to keep us here to drive us out? Yes. So he says, leave that joke alone. He joined himself to idols. Another good example is Jehoshaphat, this dude right here. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 35, the Bible says, And after this did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. Wait a minute. Jehoshaphat, you join yourself with a king that did wicked? And he joined himself with Ahaziah to make ships to go to Tarshish. Bless you. And Eleazar prophesied, Eleazar prophesied against Jehoshaphat. Boy, what's going to happen when preachers start prophesying against other preachers? saying, because you join yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has broken your works and your ships are broken and not able to go. 
you were fascinated with the spells of Ahaziah, and you made a league with him. Now your works, all of your actions and your transactions are now broke because you made an alliance with wickedness. You join yourself to a wicked king. And now I prophesy to you because you wanted so bad for the ships to get to Tarshish because if they do, you get the accolades and the affirmations of people and you want people patting you on the back more than you want God smiling at you from heaven and because you've made a wrong alliance, God has broken your ships and what you were trying to carry is now broke and all of your actions and your transactions have been canceled. Wouldn't you pray that Jehoshaphat would learn his lesson? Don't make bad alliances. If you do, you lose everything you're supposed to be carrying. Second or first Kings 22 verse 48, Jehoshaphat made ships to go to Torshes for the gold, but they went not because the ships were broken. Watch, Ahaziah came back to him. Oh, this is the son of Ahab, by the way. And he came to Jehoshaphat and said, let my servants go with your servants in the ships. I like what the Bible says. But Jehoshaphat learned his lesson. Not only am I not going to connect with you, but the people that are sailing with me are not going to connect with the people that are sailing with you. That's strong, strong terminology. Can you say amen to that? Alliances and joining are so important in Scripture. I used to say this to youth groups when I used to preach youth camps all over the nation. And do you not know that some 40 years later, it's as true today as it was then. Tell me who you hang out with and I will tell you who you are. Show me your allegiances. Show me your alliances. And I will show you a picture of you. Boy, I'm not getting much shouting back and amen and preaching the building pastor this morning. Ain't nobody saying too much. That's all right. The pace may require that type of response and I'm good with it. But I'm here to tell you that you're about to come into a year where the real and the fake are about to be made manifest at a level you've never seen. The fire is going to burn so hot that the plastic is going to melt. Ooh, man. I just heard the Holy Ghost say, go back to the adulterous preacher. 
Why would you choose wickedness over character? Why would you choose a pattern and a life of wickedness over a pattern and a life of holiness, integrity, and character? And let me help you with it. It is real hard for people to embrace those things, holiness, character, and integrity. You know why? Because it puts a grave responsibility on you. I'm praying right now in the Holy Ghost. When I get right here, I have to be real careful because I want to start calling people out by name. Before I used to do that, Josh and Erica could tell you probably better than anybody. If people was messing around in my church, I would just say, Joe, stand up. Jim, stand up. Jill, stand up. Jack, stand up. And do you not know that's kind of the way the Apostle Paul was in the New Testament? This generation is a sissy generation. I mean, right now, some of y'all have already told your wife, we're not coming back to this church next Sunday. This is our last time in this building. I remember one time I called these four people out, two couples, and I said, leave. Church was about 4,000 people at that point. I just said, right, stand up. They stood up, and I said, now y'all leave. And they were all like, what? I said, leave. Leave the church. You are not with me. You are not with this church. You're, as a matter of fact, you carry an anti-Christ spirit. And they tenderly walked out <laughs> and asked me if I lost any sleep over it. No, because I knew if they belonged to God, they would find the place they were supposed to be. But I knew where they was not supposed to be. Bible. Let me turn the page before you go into depression. Because some of you are looking for your Prozac right now. You checked your purse. Did I bring the prescription today? I need a little pick me up. I told Josh the other day, I said, Josh, take advantage of your position. He said, what do you mean, Bishop? I said, you have the wonderful luxury of encouraging the people. He said, what do you mean? I said, I'm the one that's got to do the adjusting. You get to get up and tell the people how good God is. 
And God's about to bless you. And God's about to advance you. And God's about to promote you. And somebody's going to do something for you. And I got to come in here and say, you sneaky, sneaky somebody. You writing letters to people in my church and you haven't talked to me about it? Sneaky, sneaky. And that's the wonderful job I have. And y'all all talk to me about, Bishop, you need preaching. Get that B3 going. You know why you like jumping? <laughs> right connections have a way of pushing you forward. And right connections do not always mean comfortable connections. getting thick in the house. Luke 139. Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, and she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I like verse 39. Mary got ready and hurried. Oh, I'm telling you right now, that'll preach. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get in a hurry about good stuff? Boy, we are so in a hurry to gossip. So in a hurry to say bad stuff about people. We can't wait to sit down and tell you what I heard about so-and-so. Wouldn't it be great if people started getting something from God and they got in a hurry to go to somebody to tell them how good God has been to them? I dare somebody to get a hurry in your step in this building that God is about to do something so wonderful for you. I got to hurry up and tell you that God is about to bless you. God is about to pour out on you. God is about to open a door that's never been opened. I dare you to shout, get in a hurry, get in a hurry. Come on now, y'all come up off the joining and alliance. And come up off that for a second. I've talked to you about bad alliances and bad joinings, but I'm about to flip the script and tell you there is a such a thing as good alliances and good attachments and good connections. And the Bible says Mary got in a hurry and went to Elizabeth. She had to tell someone who believed. Someone who just did not just believe in God, but believed in her. I came by to tell you, you need people in your life that does not just believe in God, but they believe in the God in you. They believe that you are going to be something. You are going somewhere. You are anointed. You are appointed. Find people in your life that see something inside of you that you do not see yourself. That see something inside of you that God put inside of you. Find the kind of connection that believes God for you and believes the God that is in you. She not only had, oh Lord have mercy. She not only had to get to her because she knows she believed in her. 
but she had to get away from those that did not believe in her and sometimes you're carrying something that is so inexplicable that you can't just tell anybody and you gotta get away from those that wanna hold you in the position and the condition that they know you've always lived in and when you get ready to break out of that situation you got to get away from the naysayers, from the gainsayers, from the gossipers, from the liars, from the suspects, from the suspicion, from the speculators. You got to get a tell somebody get away from them. Get away from them and find somebody that believes in you. You will never be all that God has called you to be. Until you get away from those who hold you back and get to those you are assigned to. Get to those that you are connected to. Get to those who are your real alliance. Get to those who, who are your real attachments. I'm sorry, I, I wasn't going to preach, but I feel this thing. I dare you to shout, I got to get to my connection. When you are pregnant with destiny, you have no time to delay. Quit sharing your destiny with people that can't wait to delay it. Quit sharing your destiny with people that ain't never believed in you since you was a little boy, since you was a little girl, and you still trying to convince them that you called, that you're anointed, that you're about to do something from God for God. Listen, it's time for you to tell them goodbye. I heard the Holy Ghost tell me to tell you this morning while I was praying. It's time to you, for you to move from association to assignment. It's time for you to move from acquaintances to alignment. It's time for you to move from being a contact in this church to being connected to this church. I need to say that one, one more time. It's time for, for you to move from being a contact of this church to be in a connection in this church. We contact you, but you're not connected. We contact you, but you're not engaged. We contact you, but you're not involved. Be careful what you exchange the house of the Father for. Too many people are hooked on other people that make their stuff jump. I'm going to say it again. Too many people are hooked on other people that make you jump. In other words, they my friend. They, they make me excited. I want to get my pom-poms and hurrah, boomer sooner, go tigers, hook them horns. I want cheerleaders. They make me jump. Here's the problem with jumping. When you jump, you can come right back down in the same place. The Bible does not say that the baby jumped. The Bible says the baby leaped. You need people in your life that will make you leap, not jump. Find somebody that'll push you forward. Find somebody that'll make you go in that direction, not just up and down. Oh, you're so anointed. You're so upon. Oh, I thank you. Thank you. I am all that. No, find somebody that'll say, you can't keep doing that.
I'm going to ask you to jump up on your feet and give God a crazy praise and tell somebody, this is my day that I changed my mind. I'm looking for somebody. Tell your neighbor I'm looking for somebody that'll make me leap. I'm tired of being around people. You're not pushing me forward. You are in my way. I break every fascinating soul tie in this building. Every fascinating soul tie. I break it now in Jesus' name. There is people that will tell you anything you want to hear just to keep you close to them. There is people that will tell you anything you want to hear just to get something from you. You will never know if they really your ally or your enemy until you go through hell. Then you're going to find out who your allies are and who your enemies are, who your fake friends are and who your real friends are. I need somebody to break off and give God a crazy praise just for a second. The Lord trying to do something here.